We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by Indeed and Bet Online. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for the Blue Wire Network. Joining me tonight is my co-host, former NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. What's up, brother? Oh, man, you know, like I just said before we hit record, man, I was like, man, let's do this. I'm ready to pod. <laughs> I know, man. You have like an amazing dinner. Where are you getting all this fucking energy from? I know, right? No, I just, I actually did just make some, I guess, dinner. I just made like a bacon and egg uh, sandwich. Ooh. Anything with bacon and egg, man, like you just can't I'm go saying, wrong. I know. I toasted my wrong. head. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There we go. I don't know if that just gave me an extra little boost of energy or what, but I was like, man. yeah, I'm ready to talk some 49er football. People got the hard hitting questions. I was like, hell yeah. Really, we might as well name this the quarterback podcast because. 
I glanced through. I don't like typically like read the comments, but I kind of glanced through, and everything was about a quarterback for the most part. <laughs> it was like quarterback, right. quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Robert Sala's defense, like quarterback. Like, right. I was like, damn, this is the quarterback podcast, man. All right. Well, I mean, hey, we got we we'll hit all the questions. So it is what it is. But before we get to that, let's um. Let's hit some uh, like some 49ers news for the day. Some of the uh, some of the players got in front of uh, got in front of the media. Um, the first one that that jumped up there was was Trent Williams. Or I think it was the first one that jumped up there. I can't remember the order in which they spoke, but um, Trent Williams uh, was was talking with uh, 49ers and Washington media today. I believe Washington media was in at Washington and 49ers media were in for all the players and. I, th- I believe one of them asked him the extent of, you know, how he wants to stay involved with the, the 49ers and, and does he want to be recognized by uh, Washington as one of their, their great players. And, and basically Trent Williams' response, if I read this right, was, uh, you know, like, I'm with the 49ers now. I'm concerned about them. I want to end up being one of their great players. And, and, and like, you know, so he, his foot, he didn't really – pay any any mind to Washington at this point, which obviously the, those two never really got along well over the last few years of at least of that that relationship. So, um, But it, he did make it clear that he wanted to stick around. I, I don't necessarily think that's something crazy and noteworthy because, you know, of course he wants to stick around. The 49ers are a good team, and he's about to become a free agent, so he's going to get paid a lot of money. So... If there was, in the, uh, unless, I mean, I, obviously, usually players don't come right out and say, no, nah, I want to go somewhere else, but well, it, usually. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. Typically. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I guess there, I, I, we could jump right into that because well, there's no, not really I, a whole lot. I, have, I mean, with, with, with Trent Williams, though, man, like he has been playing extremely well. And the money that he's going to be given, as we've been told by, one of his teammates, <laughs> you know, a hefty contract and deservedly so, man. Like, and for anybody that's going to be the quarterback next year, whether it's Garoppolo, whether it's other, you want him protecting your blind side. So I'm all for it, man. Like, whatever you have to do to assure up that, you know, that that player, you know, in Trip Williams and, and how good he's been, you know, and not perfect, right? I mean, there's been little moments here and there. There was a moment – I want to say on the fourth down play on the goal line, somehow he just ended up on the ground. That was kind of weird. But for the most part, he's been really good, really good at, you know, protecting quarterbacks. Blind side. I had a couple of hiccups early in the season, but since then he's been really good. Um, you definitely like that. That should be priority. Number one outside out, out of anyone else. Dang. I think that was one of the comments I think I read, but um, out of anyone else that's going to be a free agent, he should be priority. Number one, lock up, Trent Williams, he'll be a 49er until he retires. And yeah, get that, get that done. Right. And, and that's that's easy. Like left tackle and and really for the most part, both your tackles are positions that where no one should ever be upset that this person is getting paid. Like as long as obviously if they're worth the paycheck, then it's it's one of the most important positions on the football field. You know, right it's right up there with edge rusher and you know, quarterback. It just if if without somebody there that can do their job, it doesn't really matter who you have at quarterback. It, they're gonna they're gonna be consistently you know being mugged from uh, from an and if they're a right handed thrower, they're not gonna see the person coming. So uh, it's left tackle, especially somebody like Trent Williams, who's still playing like one of the absolute best left tackles in the league. 
it, I mean, it's easy to pay someone like that. You don't even think twice about it. You just do your negotiations and sign the contract to just be done with it and move on to the next one. Now, what uh, Crocker is referring to is uh, the media also spoke to Richard Sherman, who was very, very outward in his belief that he's not going to return to the 49ers next year. He and and now you got to understand too where Richard Sherman is coming from. He negotiated his own contract. He knows um, the ins and outs of a salary cap probably much much better than most players. And that's not a slight on the rest of the players. It's just a guy that's going to negotiate his own contract. And he did a good job for what he was able to do. You know, he bet on himself, and it all paid off for the most part. But he knows the salary cap. He knows what he's up against. And he talked about the fact that the 49ers have some, you know, 40 free agents. Now, first thing I will say, I don't want to get too off, off track, but teams always have a ton of free agents, like like 20 to 30. The whole bottom half of the roster, and there's usually a ton of players that are all signed to one-year deals. So don't don't necessarily be intimidated by that number. But the 49ers have about 10 or so free agents that are like starters right now. You could roll through the list and and you would there's about 10 or so names that are obviously big names and rich and names that a team would at least explore re-signing. Now the 49ers are up against the salary cap. Richard Sherman knows this and he basically said like, "Hey, I would like to be back with the 49ers, but if you look at the numbers, the 49ers are slated to have like 40 million in cap space, 30 million in cap space." They have about 30 to 40 free agents. Trent Williams is going to get 20 million. Fred Warner is going to get 18 million. And, and anybody who knows anything about salary cap, that really doesn't leave a whole lot of room for me. So Richard Sherman, I mean, he's just a realistic guy, but he was basically like, like it almost looked like he was ready to leave right then. Like, you know, like, well, he, and he, he obviously he doesn't. He, he's a very professional guy, but he's just being realistic with the situation. And uh, he just kind of basically said that he expects to uh, to play elsewhere next year. I, I just thought it was weird with how open he is. I mean, typically, even if you know the situation, like, I, you would think that he, the way he just kind of comes off would be a little bit less, like, pessimistic, I guess. Like, the, the way he's coming off is like, dude, there's just, there's no chance. Like, I'm not, I'm not taking anything less. Like, I, I mean, it's like, well, first of all, we don't even know what he's worth. I mean, we saw in the last game that the 49ers were scared to play him in man on the outside, and they started going to some different looks and moving him to safety. So, you know, are you going to be a safety and end up having to take less money? Like, we, we don't even know what what he's going to be getting paid on the market. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, well, you know, I, unless he knows something we don't with the whole Jimmy Garoppolo situation, which he very well can. I mean, there's Jimmy Garoppolo. There's D4. Those are guys that can definitely – free up space, right? I mean, that's without me knowing too much about the cap and everything, but I would assume if those were guys that you didn't bring back, which is the way I would go about it, um, that frees up a good chunk of money. So I just feel like it's a little, unless he just wants out, I would assume that there are ways that 49ers could make it work, you know, or at least you give it a chance and see how it plays out. But I mean, this is him basically, you know, these last four games are like his farewell, farewell tour. Right. Yeah, he didn't. He just didn't seem to have any problem dealing with that reality. And and I guess there is a, a, a way where the 49ers could keep him around, depending on who they prioritized and maybe a few players that they would that they would let go of and, and free up some space. We'll see how all that goes down. 
I mean, there is a reality where Mr. Sherman can be back, could be around, but I mean, he, he just seemed very, very, he'd, he'd come to terms with the fact that he wasn't going to be with this team next year, which I mean, there, I would definitely say the odds are leaning towards that way. But at the same time, if the 49ers really value his services and his leadership and what he could still do at, at any position on the field, whether it be corner or safety, then I think they could probably still swing it in some way. You know, there's always that crazy seller cap magic, but Richard Sherman just seemed pretty convinced that, that that was it. And and these, yeah, like you said, this was his farewell tour. So mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see. But moving on, uh, Kevin Gibbons uh, missed practice today for a good reason. His daughter, Aria, was born yesterday, I believe. Daughter Aria was born yesterday. The only downside to that is due to the COVID protocols and the fact that he would essentially be treated like a player, like a free agent. Since he he left to go be a part of his father's daughter's birth, he's going to have to miss the the game against Washington because there's simply not enough days left in the week for him to go through all of the appropriate COVID protocols and be a part of the game. So he once he gets back, I, I'm not sure exactly when he gets back with the organization, but then he has to quarantine for three days and take three consecutive tests and and pass each one before he can rejoin the team. So. I mean, obviously, I, I would say obviously it's unfortunate because he's actually been playing pretty well and he's had a decent role on that defensive line. But there's nothing can replace you know the birth of your daughter. So, you know, good on him. Congratulations to him. And you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Now nah, that's a it's a big moment. And you know, I was there for you know the birth of all three of my children. So, yeah. A, uh, yeah, I, I guess I guess the the takeaway should be in a time like this, just be happy that he could be there. Right, you know, with with all the restrictions in so many different states and and how dicey it can or can't be, uh, I guess you could just be happy that he was able to make it there. So good for him. Um, Raheem Mostert spoke to the media a little bit, and he said that he and this isn't really a surprise, especially for somebody playing that position. Raheem said that his high ankle sprain was still bothering him, um, and and he just kind of seemed like it wasn't necessarily like it was something that was. Or he didn't make it seem like it was something that he was really, really having to overcome, like it was killing him. But he just said it kind of just doesn't feel right. And and I think that I, I I don't think I've ever experienced a high ankle sprain, but he you know he just seems like he basically was resigned to the fact that I, I'm going to feel this for the rest of the season and until we get to the off season and I've got some time to rest, then it's always going to be bugging me. Didn't yeah. you? You you've had one, right, Crock? Yeah, I have one. The, the last time I actually played football, it is something uh, that definitely can linger. And it almost felt like, I just remember like going to play basketball before I was like 100% healthy and just like feeling it, like, you know, just feeling like, a, like, like, ah, like, like it's not right, you know? And that's right. something like where, I remember when I was going through the injury, like your ligaments, my ligaments were all messed up. Um, yeah, I had a lot of issues um, with it at the time. Like I would just randomly like fall on the ground. Like it was bad because I was still trying to do things on it. Like I was still trying to practice because initially they just told me I had a regular ankle sprain. So I was trying to work through it, but I'm like, damn, it feels like my ankle is broken. Like, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> this, this is not, this is not regular. Yeah, it's drastically different, but like, and I didn't know I had ligament damage or anything like that. So, um, like, you know, I would just like be trying to backpedal, then I would just fall, and like, it was just like somebody just was like shooting my ankle out from underneath me. And I'm like, God damn, like, 
what the hell? But it's like, in my head, it's like, it's just an ankle sprain. Like you've had these, you know? So I was trying to work through it and it just was not getting better, not getting better, not getting better to the point where they put me on IR. And then I went to see a doctor again and actually get like x-rayed and stuff. And that was when they were like, oh, sorry, dude. You, you, you've had a high ankle sprain this whole time. Sorry, <laughs> <All> dude. <laughs> they really out there running. And the weird thing was I could run in a straight line, but I could not cut. I couldn't make any lateral movements. Um, I couldn't anything. Like I couldn't really stop. It was like I could run full speed and I have to like just gradually like kind of like just slow down. I couldn't stop on like a dime or anything like that. Like, but yeah, could run straight pretty, pretty good. But any lateral movement, no, it was bad. And that happened for, it was because maybe because of me practicing on there or whatever for a while. I mean, it was lingering for a while. Like to a point where I'm like, damn, is my ankle ever going to be hundred percent again? Like, and then, you know, it is now, but you know, it was just, it was just something that I, I just felt for, for a while. Well, and it, and that's the thing too is is it varies so much by position by the position you play. But as a running back, you're running laterally like fifty percent of your your job. You know, like rarely ever does a running back get the chance to just break into open space and run straight. They're they're constantly stopping and going and cutting and you know moving to the side and and jump cutting and whatever they got to do and and planning on the that ankle and, and cutting up field. So. I would say if there was one position that would be the most affected by a high, high ankle sprain, it would be a running back just because they, they have to ask so much of their lower body on a constant basis. So um, we'll see. I, maybe that is the reason. It's a pretty pretty understandable reason that Jeff Wilson has, has maintained kind of like a 50-50 split with Mostert because Kyle Shanahan knows if he, if he might be playing with fire a little bit and – Obviously, I don't know if there's anything the 49ers could could do to, you know, safeguard Raheem from this nagging feeling. It, it, it's probably just a part of the injury, and it's definitely a part of football. I mean, there's there's all of these players have injuries that are nagging them almost on a constant basis. It's just a matter of severity, and you don't want that to evolve into something worse to where he's re-injuring it and having another high ankle sprain or requiring surgery, which is kind of what happened to Jimmy Garoppolo. And speaking of Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm, I, I wish there was some more context to this, but Raheem Mostert made a comment about how he felt Jimmy Garoppolo was dealing with something else in addition to a high ankle sprain. And I, 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 I wasn't in this media session because I was in the middle of some meetings for work, so I wasn't able to hear him say it and I wasn't able to grab any more context. I don't necessarily know what he's referring to. I haven't seen anybody else make any more comments, like asking him to clarify. But he just kind of made it seem like Jimmy Garoppolo, the reason he's missed so much time and the reason it's it was so hard for him to play is that he might have been dealing with something else. So, I mean, we'll see about that. Maybe something comes out tomorrow where it kind of clarifies that or somebody asks Shanahan about it. But we'll see. We'll see. Kind of just I mean, interesting. Something to note. Something to, to note. Um, uh, speaking real quick, speaking of Jimmy Garoppolo, so uh, uh, Jack Hammer underscore NFL, he tweeted out. I think he might be with Grant Cohn um, on Sports Illustrated. Actually, I should check that before I kind of just say that. Let's see. Yeah, all forty nine SI. So um, he tweeted out this stat between Jimmy Garoppolo and Nick Mullins. Did you see it? I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. So Jimmy Garoppolo when. Attempting a pass 
15 yards or more down the field. 58 completed 58 out of 126 attempts, 1600 yards, nine touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 76 rating. Nick Mullins has completed 41 out of 67 passes. I mean, gosh, 1100 yards, three touchdowns, four interceptions, 95 rating. But it, you know, it's like looking at that, like, and not so much for Nick Mullins, and not to say what Nick. I mean, that's actually not a bad percentage for Nick Mullins. But um, obviously, you don't want to see the four interceptions. But for Garoppolo, one that's kind of really bad. <laughs> and that kind of right. highlights maybe some of the uh, issues that Kyle Shanahan has with him with his play calling, where we constantly write, push the ball down the field, push the ball down the field. But then you look at this, and I know people say he struggles with the deep ball. But I'm just like, oh, well, they don't throw the deep ball that much. And, I mean, last year it seemed like he had, like, the highest completion percentage or whatever. This is throughout their time with the 49ers altogether when completing these. Um, that's not good from Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's no. kind of a, a large sample size. Not, right. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, Mullins' numbers aren't good either. I mean, a 95.2 rating is good. But, I mean, and he's obviously got a much better, like, completion percentage of it. But, you know, the three touchdowns and four interceptions, like, that, that type of stuff isn't going to – but I would be curious to know – what like the baseline for a good in that category is. Cause you're talking about deep throws, you know, 15 plus yards. So, you know, what I, I would, I would be interested to know what those looked like for like Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes. Yeah. And then, you know, cause they're lower percentage throws, but at the same time, you wouldn't expect them to be anywhere near what Jimmy Garoppolo's were at. But right. I think, well, I, I think the biggest thing, bigger thing for me is just, just looking at the attempts and the completions. Um, That's like and- one third. You know, and just with those two guys, a little, little more. Right? You can't. Nick Mullins is a backup, so you shouldn't. I feel like there shouldn't be anything that he does better than you. You know what I'm saying? And and I don't know. Maybe looking into this number, maybe it's not even accurate. But if it is accurate, that's that's kind of alarming for me. Um, yeah, I agree. And a lot of it highlights some of the issues that people have had with Garoppolo and. I mean, I kind of go back to this, but I've been a big-time defender of Jimmy Garoppolo up until this year. Big-time defender. Like I, I defended him uh, through it all, like even through the, the 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 Vikings game in the playoff and the eight attempts in the Green Bay. I, I was always <laughs> a reason for why. But then you look at things like this, and it's just like, damn, maybe he is everything that everybody had been saying, right? When you look at the people on TV – to some of my buddies that are like, dude, he's not that good. And I'm like, man, you guys are tripping. Like, we win. Like, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, you start looking at these things, and you, the more you kind of look into it, the more it's clear that you win just in spite of him. Like, he, like he's, he's not the reason at all, you know? No, I, I think I think that, that the answer probably lies somewhere – within there you know it doesn't have to be a black and white answer i think that like like we've talked about many times we've seen games where where jimmy garoppolo was the reason they won 
And we've seen times where Jimmy Garoppolo was the reason they lost. And we've seen times where it was somewhere in between where he just managed the hell out of the game and the 49ers won, you know? So, but obviously those aren't great numbers. And again, I don't, I don't really have like a baseline for what good is supposed to be, but it, it, it I can guarantee you it's, it's not that, but we've always known that Jimmy wasn't that great throwing the ball down the field. And, I didn't know that though. I mean, I knew they didn't do it much, but I didn't know that. I guess that's the way of saying it. We know they never really did it that much, and it was just Kyle Shanahan scheming, you know, scheming guys open and stuff. And and we kind of just wrote that off as a part of the offense, and that is what it is. And and at times Jimmy Garoppolo does that very well and, and gets the ball where it needs to be, and you can win with him. But at the same at the same time, maybe that was the case because Kyle Shanahan knew. That was Jimmy Garoppolo's ability when it came to throwing downfield. So why the hell would they try it when they know the odds are good that it's not going to go their way? Right. So, you know, it's it's all over the place. I, I think, you know, like I, I always just kind of – now that we did it, I kind of fall back to the fact that you and I, that one time after the pod, just went through the NFL and how many quarterbacks would you take over Jimmy? How many wouldn't you? And it was just kind of 50-50, maybe – 55 45 in in favor of taking them over Jimmy. So I just think that he's, you know, we've kind of just fallen on the fact that he's a middle of the road quarterback. He can start in the NFL. He can be better than quite a few quarterbacks in the NFL, but he's, he's worse than a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. So he doesn't suck. I get people that say that and I'm like, no, he doesn't suck. And that's just because Twitter's stupid and people don't know how to speak English without being so dramatic. Right, <laughs> you know, he's, just, he's definitely not good in certain certain situations. That's what that stat would tell you. But there's plenty of things that he does do well. Because you, you you had that you you said that tweet yesterday about what are Jimmy's elite traits? Yeah, you know, and, and, was, and I think you said like leadership and toughness, and then <laughs> which is like you know a CJ Beathard answer, and yeah. and. And I was thinking about it. I was like, okay, what would what would I say his elite traits are? I'd probably say, you know, the, the I mean, if you want to include leadership and toughness, sure, because I mean, but I mean, he does get hurt a lot, but that's not well, necessarily when I say toughness. Team. I mean, like, like his ability to stand in there when things aren't ideal for him in the pocket, right? Like, right. there are some quarterbacks that just get flustered and they start doing weird stuff, right? I don't think Jimmy – I think Jimmy's willing to stand in there and get hit and hit and hit and hit. So I think from that standpoint to where he will take hits and not really flinch at that, I think that's kind of an elite trait because there are a lot of quarterbacks that are, you know, for better choice of words, pussy. And he, right, he's not, right. He's, I mean, he's, he's, got a, he's got a super fast release. He, I'd probably say his accuracy over the middle is probably – or at least at times has looked really, really good. But that's to the point where he doesn't throw to the outside as much, and and his his kind of tendency to throw somewhere within ten yards towards the middle of the field probably lends to that stat you just talked about, where you know he's anything deep than that, deeper than that, and he's not doing great. So, I mean, there there aren't a whole lot of elite traits there, but there's with you know with most quarterbacks there's not a whole lot elite a lot of elite traits there and that's the kind of thing you have to come to realization with Jimmy Garoppolo like if you're paying him elite-ish quarterback money but then when someone asks you what is his elite traits and you can't really come up with something come up with yeah. some really compelling reasons then maybe it's time to 
and that's my that's my biggest issue with him. And and I've seen like people like Bonte Hill, you know, ask a question like, "Well, who do you guys want at quarterback next year?" And and I think the the, the tough thing is like, I, I think when you look at it and you see that the 49ers are better with Garoppolo, I think pe- with Garoppolo with the quarterbacks that are on the roster right now, I, I think that people can't think of like, oh, is there a way to improve? And it's like, no, you can improve. He's fairly regular. You know, it's just not Mullins or Beathard. <laughs> you know, they're not better than them. Well, right. The improvement, it, is on, it would be pretty easy to improve, but the improvement isn't on the roster. So, right. you know, and that, and that, and there lies the challenge. It's hard okay, to find good quarterbacks. Improve or be as good for way less money. Because that, that's right. another part yep. of it. Where yep. It's like you're making 24, 25, 26, 27 million dollars to be average. Like that's not that's not cool. Well, and that kind of falls into the the argument for Nick Mullins is look, like I I'll even somebody for Nick Mullins could say, look, I'll give you that Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Nick Mullins and the 49ers are better than better with with him. And I don't think Nick Mullins good enough to even consider sticking around other in any other role other than the backup, obviously. But the fact that you that conversation even exists kind of tells you what the problem is with Garoppolo. Like he's making twenty five million more dollars a year than Nick Mullins, but you can there's still people out there that, without laughing, can have the conversation of Nick Mullins versus Jimmy Garoppolo, and right. there's the problem. You know, I I think it's clear when you watch the 49ers that they are much better with Jimmy Garoppolo, but you're talking about a difference of. 20 something million dollars in that therein lies the problem, especially if the 49ers weren't pushed up against the salary cap with the amount of good players they have coming to the end of their contracts. Maybe it would be, wouldn't matter. Maybe it would be easier to ignore, but they are no longer, they no longer have that luxury. So that's something that they have to come to the realization of. So let, anyways, let me, uh, let's, let's get a quick word in from our sponsors. And when we come back, we are going to hammer this mailbag out and get to everybody's questions. So, Stick around. Twenty twenty has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed's here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offers valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions do apply. And we've got Bet Online. Football is back. It's in full swing. Depending on where you are, you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. 
BetOnline's going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on the season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all their great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE. It's all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. It's mailbag time. I have a feeling that Crocker and I's conversation probably hit on a few questions already. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully not. I don't. I don't want to alienate anybody's questions. But like I said before, we we never we never look at the questions very purposely because I mean I could go through these questions to kind of plan out my answers to everybody's, but I kind of want to do it in the moment. I want you guys to hear our thought process. And and if and if Crocker and I have to go back and forth about a question, it's way better to do that than to just be like, "Yes, and here's why," and then moving on. You know, it's right. I, I just like the the naturalness of it. But okay, first one is from Patricia at Patricia one two four one one nine zero two. Players on IR ever going to see the field again? I know Nick Bosa is rehabbing. What about Jalen Hurd, D Ford, Ben Garland, just to name a few? Um, I'm going to jump over to the 49ers website real quick because there's zero chance I'm memorizing the list of injured reserve players, maybe on another team, but the 49ers have too many. So, um, I don't think that there's any players on injured reserve that are really supposed to, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of keep it to bigger players that you would kind of be looking for. I mean, you have, you have your Jimmy Garoppolo's and George Kittle's. George Kittle said that he expects his the, the, kind of the way he worded is he kind of expects to to be back in a couple weeks, and, you know. And and there's really like four games left of the season, so I don't know. It just depends if the 49ers can position themselves. There's just so the question is which uh, which one of these players should we expect to see off of IR? Right, that's kind of the way I'm I'm reading it, but. I mean, I don't know. I'm looking through the list, and there's not a lot. There's not a lot going on. Jalen Hurd tore his ACL, so he's definitely not. Now, maybe she, maybe she's talking about players that are on on IR that aren't that maybe aren't expected to remain with the forty. I I get what she's saying. Like, are there players that are on rehab that are never going to see the field again? <laughs> um. So maybe maybe that's me reading it right. If that's the case, if there are players on IR that may never see the field again, then uh, I mean D Ford is definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. His his back injury has just you know whatever it is, they've never really given us anything too detailed. But I would not be surprised if he retired after this season because uh, he's just he's got so many injuries that are just keeping him from playing. And before the season. He was very positive and was like, hey, my goal this season is to not miss a game. And then, boom, he's out. He's done for the season with a back injury. So, obviously, these are not things that he contemplates. I'm, I'm trying to look through this thing. I don't necessarily think there's anybody else on this list that might not see the field again. Yeah. 
just Ford. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he's uh, – if now, if you kind of change that to might not see the field again with the 49ers, yeah, maybe you right. get – you know, maybe you'd get some other names in there. You know, Ezekiel Ansa was signed as just a one-year deal to replace Nick Bosa. And, and you know, he played in one game and that was it. Um, there's a ton of names on here. Ben Garland, I, I mean, he's a guy that they've kind of relied on as like that backup center. I don't know if he's going to be back this year or, excuse me, next year. He's just one of those names on a, on a massive list of players that need to be back. Uh, Jaquiski Tart, I definitely – he's on IR right now. I don't see him coming back. It would just be too hard to afford. Um, Solomon Thomas is on that list too. I'm not sure he's somebody the 49ers are going to keep around. There's a few. There's a few on that list. All right. Now we've got Juan Contreras – at JPCAS90. Crocker, what do you think? How overrated is Robert Sala as a defensive coordinator? Juan says he's very overrated. What do you think? No, I don't think he's overrated. I think uh, Sala did a good job. I want to say that, yeah, really starting in 2018, you could tell that the defense was playing, you know, much improved. Um, you know, he just didn't have really like the finishers. And then once he got the finishers, you see him, you know, take, you know, obviously a talented roster, but to the next level. And then even this year, I mean, the team that's been hovering around top five statistically, um, considering, you know, all the injuries that they've faced, the guys missing. I mean, I, I looked at one time, it's pretty much the whole defense has been missing at one at one time or another. Um, you've played without Bosa for pretty much most of the year. Um, obviously, D4, you know, played without him since week one. Um Solomon Thomas, you know, who's your rotation player, haven't had him. Uh, Blair, haven't had him at all, still recovering from his injury from last season. Um, in the secondary, you were missing Quan Alexander for a while, and then they let him go. You also were missing Drake Greenlaw for uh, multiple games. Miss Richard Sherman for several games, what, at least six games, seven games uh, Sherman had been out. Um, you've missed Emmanuel Mosley. You've missed... Kawan Williams, you've missed Jaquiski Tart. You've missed everybody. And still, somehow, statistically, this team is top five. Now, I get everybody kind of wants to overreact a little bit because of the poor outing against the Buffalo Bills, but you can't look at one instant and be like, oh, nah, that guy's not good. Because, I mean, if you remember back to 2012 when the 49ers defense was at the peak of their powers, or was it 2013 when they just got their doors blown off by the uh, – by the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. I mean, like 42 points got put on their put on their heads. And still, you know, the 49ers still had like, you know, one of the top five defenses in the league that year. Number one, number two, number three. I mean, they were always at the top. So, you know, games like that are kind of gonna happen. Um, you know, from time to time, play played against an elite quarterback. Um, obviously it happened earlier in the year against the the Dolphins, but for the most part, defense has played extremely well all year. So no, I don't think he's overrated. I don't either, and I just don't think it's uh, it's just bad practice to judge people based on super small sample sizes of anything. I mean, it, to me, the same. It, it, to me, it was it was kind of what we what we joked about a few pods ago, where like if somebody came up to a team I was coaching and said, "Hey, I need you to take half your starting defense off the field, make sure it's your better half of players, and then." 
put in their backups and then I want you to produce the same result. And you would just laugh at them, you know, like, what are you talking about? Like, that's, that's not how it works. And I, I think that what, what, what Salah has been able to create with the defense that he has, has been impressive. And sure, I mean, it was bound to get exposed by great offenses. It, it, I mean, that's what Green Bay did. And that's what the Bills did because it's just they just have they just have all their players and they're a, a more stacked group. You know, the, I'm just saying that the fact that Robert Sala has been able to pull off what he's been able to do with an unreal amount of injuries is has been impressive, and that's what other NFL teams are going to see. They're like, look, you fielded a top ten defense with the vast majority of your top ten talent off the field, right. and that's. That and that just doesn't happen very often. I, I don't think he's overrated at all. I think when he had his talent on the field, the defense was just straight dominant, and we saw that. And then when he didn't have his talent on the field, his defense was better than it should have been. So I don't think he's overrated at all, and that's why uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not like super convicted about it. But that's why I don't think that he will be back next year. I think that right. he's. He's going to become a head coach. I think that he might be a top two or three head coach candidate. And there's I mean, a lot of job you, openings this year. You listen to what they were saying Monday night. They were saying he is like number one. Like he's right, the top yeah. guy. Right. And if you listen to him speak as a person and it, what Richard Sherman said about him being a leader of men, like he just seems like somebody you'd want to play for. Yeah. And and, and that's that translates to a head coach too. It's just it's a valuable quality. All right, moving on. Omar at St. Lauren Tog, something like that. Odds and opinions on the 49ers pursuing Matthew Stafford this offseason in comparison to just drafting a quarterback. Man, that's getting a lot of traction on Twitter right now. And I I wanna just I feel like it's a it's a pump the brakes moment for me. Like I understand the idea of Matt Stafford being in the 49ers offense would be incredible. If and I will say this, if Matt Stafford somehow found its way to the 49ers, I think the 49ers offense would be just as good as the Chiefs offense. I, I do honestly believe that. With somebody like Kyle Shanahan and with a with a truly elite, talented, gunslinging quarterback like Matt Stafford, I think the 49ers offense would be like lights out. Where did it start with? That's what I'm. That's where I'm going. Like, like to me, if I am the Detroit Lions and I have Matt Stafford, who's who's not cheap. He's more expensive than Jimmy Garoppolo, but he's also a lot better than Jimmy Garoppolo. And and if I'm trying to have have an appealing head coach slash GM position open opening, then the last thing that I would consider doing is getting rid of my elite elitely talented gunslinging quarterback. Right. Like unless that the per- people coming in for some reason have a different plan, Matt Stafford and behind the scenes is saying he wants out. I, I just don't see how uh, the first move of a new hire and a new GM would be to get rid of your franchise quarterback. Right. So I, I just like, I, I understand and I fully agree that like if, the Lions called and said, "Hey, you can have Matt Stafford um, for this this month's this pick and this player or whatever. I don't know. Then then there's I'd be very very willing to do it. It's 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 tough because they're not necessarily necessarily in a position to throw money around, but Matt Stafford's good and they could win a lot of games with him. 
But it, I just don't understand from a Lions perspective why they would ever do that. Why? Why would they? Why would they move on from him? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know where it started or where it came from, or if somebody was just like, "Hey, uh, you know, the Lions aren't good. Maybe they'll want to trade him." But I think maybe like a fan or somebody came up with that. Now, if somebody like, you know, if Adam Schefter said that that the Lions might move on from him this offseason, then that's a totally different story. But I, I just don't know where that came from at all. Yeah, I, I don't either. I, I don't either. I mean, the, I would say the odds are not good. Maybe 10%, like maybe less. I, I just, I, I think it started with like a random comment from a media personality saying, oh man, Matt Stafford in the 49ers offense would be really good. Like, yeah, no shit. So would Aaron Rodgers. So, so would Pat Mahomes. So you take every great quarterback, put them in Shanahan's offense, they're going to be great. But that doesn't mean that they have a chance of getting that quarterback. I just, I just don't see any reason why the the Lions. And I'm not like making a stand, like no, the Lions are like this could not happen. This is stupid. Be quiet. I'm just saying that like I just if I were interested in the Lions' job as a head coach and a GM, Matt Stafford would need to be a part of that equation. Right. Because then you know you don't have to worry about a quarterback, and you can worry about everything else. I don't and know. I, I I did see something. I want to say it was Grant Cohn tweeted out his like contract numbers because I was under the assumption that it would be kind of expensive to get him. You know, like it wouldn't make sense to the 49ers, right? Like when you look at the 49ers roster situation, the main reason I'm willing to kind of get rid of Garoppolo is because I feel like he needs guys around him to really be successful. Now, when you look at guys, I'm pretty sure this guy would come up as well, but Dak Prescott, as well as Dak Prescott played, we saw what happened with Dallas when the defense kind of folded and they weren't winning, right? It's hard to win when you're depleted of talent on the defensive side, especially next year if the 49ers don't have Robert Sala. Maybe they do get a really good coordinator on on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe they don't. Maybe they need... An offense that's going to carry the load a little bit more because they've lost a lot of talent because they're they have so much money invested in a quarterback, whether it's Garoppolo or Stafford. And Stafford ends up in a similar situation as he is in Detroit. Because I mean, really, when you look at it, he has weapons, right? I mean, they don't have a run game consistently, but he has weapons. And as of now, it's not so much resulting in wins because the defense is bad. Like the you know what I'm saying? So like when he was at his best, the defense was good, had some sort of a run game. And that's what ideally you would want with him with the 49ers. But the way the roster is kind of looking right now, they would have to kind of move some things around to be able to keep some guys. And I, I don't know. I, I have my way. I would go about it. Obviously, like you said, if, if they just call, I, I couldn't turn down Matthew Stafford, but it just seems like a long shot really from a 49ers roster perspective. And I mean, if the Lions are even, Willing to give him up, so. right? Not that not that we know of. Right. So I mean, of course, it would be it would be awesome. I literally believe it would light the 49ers on fire, and I feel like the 49ers would their offense would would resemble the Chiefs in the fact that it may not look the same in the in the fact that Patrick Mahomes has so many like huge splash plays, but I just feel like they would be able to move the ball as easily as the Chiefs do, and be great. But it just seems like a little too far out there for me. I just have never seen anything substantial to 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 back that up so it's just not something i'm willing to get all wrapped up in right now all right moving on 
at hella 49ers. That's a great, that's a great Twitter handle. Hella 49ers. Um, Monster Wilson hasty in 2029, 2021 enough to not draft a running back on day two, day two of the NFL draft referring to rounds two and three. We all say Shannon can get production out of undrafted free agents, but all of our running backs have been hurt. I think if there's a dynamic running back in round three, we pull the trigger. The offense would benefit from a guy that can run and catch. I mean, well, there's one big issue there. 49ers don't have a third round pick, so right, That's- they don't. They gave that up for uh, for Mister Mister Williams. Right. Um, I I don't know. Kind of the way I feel about running backs with Shanahan there is whoever he wants, then sure. I'm okay with it. Like, because he just seems like he knows what he's doing at the position. He knows what he can get out of guys. And if he can average four to five yards a carry from undrafted free agents, then stick with undrafted free agents. Like I get that with somebody like a, um, Christian McCaffrey, Shanahan's offense may take like, another two steps forward, somebody like an Alvin Kamara, you know, it, it might be just that much better, but you're also talking about guys that are now getting paid like 15 to $20 million a season. And it's just, there's just a delicate balance there. And, and that's why I say like, if I, I pretty much just defer to Shanahan when it comes to running backs, like whoever feels like he needs back, he needs back there, then, then by all means, because, he knows what he needs from the position. He seems to know what he can get from guys no matter where they were drafted. Then it is what it is. I feel like if he thinks that having a, a truly elite or dynamic running back that somebody in the draft that he needs and they draft him in round two, then okay, cool. Can't wait to see what you're going to do with this guy. Well, you know, also, nobody's going to have success if the quarterback situation doesn't get – I don't want to say nobody's going to have success. It's just going to be a lot harder. You know, we watched the game. Um, Monday night against Buffalo, and that was a team. That was a team where everybody's like, "Oh, get gashed, get gashed!" Like you can gash this defense. It's the worst defense run defense in the league, or bottom five deep, uh, run defense in the league. And the 49ers had 86 rushing yards. Well, and, 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 yeah, and you could say you can say that until you're blue in the face. But like you said, when you don't have a quarterback that's going to threaten guys really whatsoever, then there's you're not gashing anybody. Or at least they respect, like, because, I mean, Garoppolo, you know, you still have to respect him as a thrower, even though they're not scared of him. Now, his throws are a little bit more uh, uh, contested kind of tight windows because everybody kind of crowds the line of scrimmage, like knowing, like, oh, he ain't throwing it deep. But um, he's still a better, more consistent passer um, in intermediate, like, you know, five to ten yard passer. Um, where you still have to really worry about that. So, uh, yeah, teams aren't, you know, with, with Mullins, that quarterback is going to be tough. And that's what I was telling people before that game. I was like, dude, like, if I'm Buffalo, I load the box and I make Mullins beat me. And that was what they did. And, I mean, he played well. But the more he throws, the more you're liable to get a, t- a turnover. And, you know, that was what happened. So, I mean, I know right. we're talking about the run game, but it, it all kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah, and, and and the offensive line hasn't been great this this year either. So, you know, I, I, I to answer your question, I think Mostert, Wilson, and Hasty is a is a decent backfield. Hasty hasn't really shown much, but I mean, you're not asking your third running back to show all that much. So, uh, I if if they went into the to the the 2021 season with Raheem Mostert, um, Jeff Wilson Jr. and and Hasty, Michael Hasty, I, I sure. 
Cool. Right. Raheem Mostert's a beast, man. If he can, if he can stay healthy, and and, and I know he's he's uh, you know struggling with things right now, but he's he's in, in my opinion, he's an elite running back when he's out there. So I I don't think there's any I think there's any problem with with going into him, going in with him as your your number one guy. And Wilson to me has shown that he can be pretty solid too, and he he's so fun to watch. Like the guy just looks like everybody on the defense talks shit on his mom. And, <laughs> he runs hard, man. He runs and hard. He's, just, he's coming. So, all right. So we're going to combine two questions here. We have Juice at Larry Seven Lovestein, <laughs> and then we got Harry Kumar at Harry Kumar One One Five. They both asked about Dak Prescott. What are your thoughts on the Forty ers Even like just any thoughts on the Forty ers in relation to Dak Prescott? So, I mean, my initial reaction is similar to what I kind of said earlier, right? And similar to what uh, Richard Sherman was saying about the 49ers in their roster situation. You bring on Dak Prescott, you know, he's going to get at least $35 million a year, you know? At and least, yeah. He's going to get at least $35 million a year on the open market. And the 49ers are struggling to keep guys with – Garoppolo, who's at less than that, like what is it, like twenty-seven million? Or yeah, 25 I think he's at twenty-five right now. Yeah, about twenty-five million. So the four yeah, his, his cap now, yeah, his cap number this year. No, excuse me, his cap number this year was. Um, it's well, it's not even on here because he's on injured reserve. His cap number next year is twenty-six point nine. All right, so twenty-six point nice. nine, and you're talking about Dak Prescott, who's going to be at least nine million more dollars, could be more. Than that, and the 49ers are already struggling to kind of keep guys um, together. So, you know, it, it's just for me, it's just kind of hard to fathom because I, I know the way I would go about it to, to kind of keep, keep that Super Bowl window open. And I don't know if it's just maxing out for, you know, Dak Prescott. I, I don't know if that's going to keep the, that window open. I, I think it's going to hurt the rest of the roster. And again, we've seen Dallas Cowboys and a lot of their issues. Dak Prescott, as well as he played, they were losing, and you know, and they're in these shootouts, and you just see how paying somebody, you know, or even just having maybe some of the wrong guys can affect the team. Or was 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 he good enough to overcome some of the issues that Dallas has? And the answer is no. And that's with all those star-studded players on offense, with that the running back and those receivers and all that, and. And putting up crazy numbers, I think he still to this point has more passing yards than like half the quarterbacks in the league, and he hasn't played in several weeks. And even then, they could not win with him. They had one win. So. Right now, obviously, you put Dak in a different situation with a better defense, and and you start winning. Um, but again, that's kind of like the, the the revolving door at like when you're going to pay a quarterback forty million dollars, and there's going to be some other players that are no longer going to be on your roster. And you would you would have to prepare for life without a lot of these top options, you know. Like if you sign Dak, then maybe Fred Warner walks out the door, stuff like that. Like where you know, there's just it's just the the ebb and flow of of the salary cap. And I love the fact that the NFL does it because it keeps things fair. You know, you don't have any of that luxury tax stuff from the NBA. You don't have any of the 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 craziness of the the Major League Baseball where there's just huge discrepancies in salary caps between teams. And I do like the fact that it's fair, but it it, can, it restricts teams from from having everybody. You know, there's no there's no New York Yankees of the NFL 
not in terms of their roster. They might have a coach like the Patriots, you know, coupled with with a generational quarterback that can just do amazing things. But that doesn't have anything to do with the salary cap and the give and take. So it's just it's tough. Like, of course, the 49ers would get better if they signed Dak Prescott at the very least, obviously on offense. But it's just some of the realities you have to prepare for when you sign somebody that's that expensive can be pretty jarring. You know, like some good players have got to walk out the door when stuff like that happens. So it's it's just it's hard to, to it's hard to think about, you know, and I, I don't think the Cowboys. Can you imagine the Cowboys letting Dak go after breaking think, yeah, his ankle on a franchise tag? You don't think they're going to bring, bring him back? Him? I, I do think. Did you say you think they are going to bring him back? Yeah. Yeah, I do too. Like, of course, Jerry Jones probably doesn't care because he's a businessman. You know, he, he probably understands business decisions. But, like, the optics of not bringing Dak back after not signing him and then signing him to the franchise and making him play under the franchise tag and then him breaking his ankle and then you not bringing him back. Like, you just look like a big-ass jerk, you know? And, like, not that, like I said, I don't know if Jerry Jones is concerned with things like that, but I, I assume Dak Prescott is coming back. So to the to the Cowboys, um, Jet McKinnon, CPOY man, you're always up in our questions. I appreciate you always being in here at CPOY Jet. Realistic chances in percentage of making the playoffs. I feel like I'm just being blinded by fandom, but there's a world where we went out too far fetched. Um, after what I just saw against the Bills, I think I don't think it's too far fetched. I just don't think the odds are good. I don't just in the condition of this team. I don't think they can beat the Seahawks. Uh, I don't think they can beat the Cardinals. Maybe they can make it more of a game against the Cardinals, but I don't see them beating the Seahawks. Yeah, I don't know, man. What do you think, Rock? Um, can you repeat the question? Just what do you think it's too far-fetched that they win out and make the playoffs? Uh, you, the 49ers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, that was our big conversation last week, right, where I couldn't – understand why the 49ers were favorites to beat the Buffalo Bills with Nick Mullins at quarterback. And that was the biggest thing where obviously he ended up not being like totally the issue. It was more so the defense, but I don't have a lot of faith in a Nick Mullins led 49ers team. And, you know, I mean, that is just, so every week, I mean, I'm looking at even the, the Washington football team and the defensive line that they have and the issues that they're going to cause. And it's mostly surrounding who the 49ers have a quarterback. So I just don't have a lot of faith in, in that. And I, I would assume that they would have to win out from this point. I don't think you make the playoffs at 8-8. Eight and eight. Obviously, there's a slim chance with the seventh team now. Maybe it can happen, but I think they would have to win out. And that would mean beating not only Arizona, but Seattle as well. On top of beating, you know, making sure you beat Dallas and uh, uh, and uh, Washington. Right. Yeah, it's just – I mean, I, I guess I, I understand the hope because if the 49ers can just hang on with this team and Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle step back into the mix, maybe you could make some noise in the playoffs. But it's it, – it, oh, man, it's tough. I just I just don't see them hanging hanging through with Nick Mullins. Um, and, and especially after what everybody just saw against from the Bills, you know, to me, that was one of those games that defensive coordinators are going to, or excuse me, offensive coordinators are going to look at and be like, well, 
that's I mean, now you can't just automatically trot out your own Josh Allen. Not everybody has that. But, it, you know, it, it's, it was just a really kind of one of those games where 49ers defense, like it might be decent and it might be playing okay for the amount of injuries, but it can be exposed. It, it, you know, if you just – especially if you're just asking like my guys versus your guys, let's see who's better, and then boom. Like uh, it's just – the thought of them just rolling through the playoffs and beating everybody, it would be it would be impressive, but uh, it just seems – I don't, I wouldn't say it's like – like fandom to think that I don't think that you're just being unrealistic. I just don't think that it's, it's something that's, that's going to happen. So we'll see. We'll see. Forrest Jensen at form Foreman J um, thoughts. And this one's for you there, Crocker. Yeah. Uh, I'm just, just about the way he's saying it thoughts on Seattle's cover three scheme being outdated with all the mobile quarterbacks in the NFL. Most of the teams that run it have putrid. Put- I think he tried to write putrid defenses. For example, Seattle and Atlanta, they say you need a talented scheme. You you need a talented scheme for it to work, but isn't that true with all schemes? So should they change it up? So he's saying you, you need talent for that scheme to work, but isn't that true with all schemes? So should they change it up? And and the first thing I would say, I, I do defer to Croc, but I would say that Robert Sala would tell you that we don't necessarily run that Seattle cover three scheme. It might be like where we start, but they throw so much other stuff in there that I don't even know if you could really call it that anymore. What do you think, man? Yeah. Well, you know, they, they teams have their base defense. I think when, when people think of the Seattle scheme, Seattle, not only was that their base, they ran that a high percentage of the time and their players were so good that they didn't really, they didn't even have to disguise it. It was like, man, we're just going to line up in the single high defense, and the pass rush with all those guys, I mean, they were getting after it. You had corners on the outside. They did their thing. You had Cam Chancellor and Earl, Earl Thomas. Like, everybody just did their job. Well, you know, when you look at the 49ers and what they do, I mean, they run a variation of a lot of different coverages. Think about the blown coverage on the uh, Gabriel Davis touchdown. Uh, that wasn't Seattle cover three. That was uh, a palms coverage, which was kind of like a what we called in uh, where I went to high school. We called that like it was cover four uh, nail, nail cover four. Um, I mean, that wasn't cover three. Or when you look at the other touchdown by McKenzie, that was man coverage. So like, you know, the 49ers, like it wasn't the scheme. It was just, well, 49ers, they have to play softer. And I think that was just more of who the 49ers have in the secondary and guys that they just kind of have to, uh, you know, play more zone with. Uh, so ideally I think they probably would like to be able to play more man. I just don't know if they have the guys to do it right now. So, uh, they mixed it up very well, especially over the last year. I actually saw it in 2018 that they started doing more too high stuff and running a little bit more man. And that continued last year, but, um, yeah, no, I think it's, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's like outdated or anything like that. I think you know, just good defensive coordinators. They they mix up their play call. They do things, but everybody has their base defense that they like to run. Right. Yeah. And and it's just, and and I don't think there's a single defense in the NFL that can't be can't be had. You know, it's just it's just what you prefer and what you roll with, and you you mix it up as as much as you can, and and, and we'll see. But I mean, nobody's immune to just getting their ass kicked. So. Um, okay. 
Column at column four five six. What's the order of priority in signing DBs in the off season? So I'm assuming he means like if you were to re-sign the 49ers DBs that are due for free agency, what is the order of priority? Trent so Williams. The, well, <laughs> the, Trent Williams not a DB, oh, but yeah, let me see. I'm trying to organize them here. You have Richard Sherman. You have Jason Verrett. You have Kwan Williams. You have Jaquiski Tart. Trying to just look for the the bigger one, Akella Witherspoon, Jamar Taylor, <laughs> pretty much everybody. Um, Dante Johnson, no offense, buddy. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley, Ken Webster. Ooh man. Um, okay. So I, I already know who who your answer, Croc, is for for the number one of the priority. Go. Of the DBs, I'd say. Let's see. I think Jason Verrett. Oh, okay. Then I would be wrong. I figured you were going to say K1 Williams. Oh, damn. I forgot about him. Yeah, no, K1 Williams. <laughs> Don't let me change your answer. No, I forgot. I forgot about K1 Williams. Yeah, no. Yeah, he's definitely number one. And then Jason Verrett. Okay. And I, I, and I, I agree Chark, with that. Man. I just think he's, I mean, the one thing, obviously, you would like to see him, you know, stay on the field more because he, he does miss games. Uh, but, man, he's just so good at what he does down there and, you know, he understands his assignments extremely well. He's he's physical. You know, he'll punch the ball out. He forced a good amount of uh, fumbles last year. Uh, so, you know, he's a playmaker. I always love playmakers. Um, extremely good tackler, um, you know, despite the one play against Lamar Jackson where he kind of ended up on the highlight tape. But, um, nah, all around really good player. And it's weird. I mean, like, doesn't talk or anything like that. But uh, ter- terrific baller. So, yeah, that's definitely the first the first guy that I would uh, sign out of all the DBs. Yep, yeah, I agree. I agree. No, no need to expand. Um, if, I mean, if you talk, yeah, I would go Kwan Williams and I'd go Jason Brett because I want to see him, uh, you know, continue to have his chance with the team. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley's, I believe, is a restricted yeah. free agent, so he should be pretty easy to keep around at a pretty reasonable cost for a, a DB. Uh, and and obviously, I, I wouldn't even put Richard Sherman on the list. I do think he's very important. I just think that he, in a, you know, like he said himself, I think his price is just going to be a little too high for for what you're getting at this point. I, I don't think that that would probably be smart money for the 49ers, but you never know. We'll see what they come up with. Um, 49ers at here for sports 49. In my opinion, the need at cornerback, offensive line, and edge is more pressing than the need at quarterback. What do you guys think? Um, well, quarterback is the most important position on the field. So I I, I agree with that. I, I think that he would just say, well, I just think that they should keep with Jimmy Garoppolo and start addressing other stuff. Uh, it's just hard. I mean, if you're talking about the draft, you know, I, I still think quarterback is the number one need if you can get in a position to get one you know, where it's smart. If if the 49ers, if the situation doesn't kind of revolve how they want it to and they don't really ha- have a chance, you know, maybe they don't feel like a guy like Mac Jones or Kyle Trask are, 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 is worth where they're at in the first round, you know, maybe they feel like they can get them early second or something, then then uh, then I would agree the fact that, you know, if, if, if quarterback was off the board, then I would go corner probably. Corner first, or, yeah. Yeah, or O-line or edge. I think they're all good. Ideal situation with how the board falls right if if you look up and 
you got uh um you know the top four guys right which you you know universal is pretty much lawrence uh lawrence wilson uh fields and lance at least for me and you're telling me all four of those guys are gone then yeah i would definitely go to cornerback i'd actually try probably try to trade back a little bit maybe collect a couple picks and then i would yeah i would go cornerback yeah I agree. There are a few quarterback corners in my head right now that I really like um, that I would draft like in the 18 to 22 range or right. excuse me, 18 to 25 range. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That was a good hiccup too, man. That was, that was a quality yeah. hiccup. Um, so I, I, it just depends on how everything falls. You know, I, I do kind of lean towards moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo. And if you're, if your intent is to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, then, then at, and in that moment, nothing is more important than a quarterback. Whatever means you're taking to get him, whether that's a draft, free agency, trade, whatever you think, uh, I think that that is more pressing. Now, if you, if you tell me that the team is leaning towards keeping Jimmy Garoppolo, then I agree with you. I, I believe that they should address other positions and, and go from there. But it's it just depends on what they decide to do. But if, if it were me, quarterback would be would be leading the way as my number one priority as, as far as finding a new new signal caller. Um, Sam Granger at S Granger one three seven six. What would it take to get Stafford in a trade? Um, I would probably say the 49ers first round pick would probably get it done. I, I mean, think so. if you. It, and and as much as that puts the 49ers in a little bit of a conundrum because you're not getting a quality player for a cheap price, but you also have a team that's willing to give you Matt Stafford. And like I said, I think the if Kyle Shanahan's offense with their crop of playmakers, can you imagine Matt Stafford throwing to Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle? Like, <laughs> dude, he's going to just dice everybody up. Yeah. So – and and Debo Samuel and 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 Brandon Ayuk would get to do wide receiver things, and everybody would just be in a happy place, and you wouldn't give a shit about that first round pick anymore. No one would care. Yeah, I've always. Yeah. I mean, I think I think draft picks are kind of overrated, anyways. I think they just should be used to used to get whatever you need. So whether you have to give up draft picks or you know trade back, just work it work it however you feel needed. And the Forty Nineers have done a great job of that. They've traded back, they've traded up, they do it every draft. So. Um, well, and they've, they've pulled all those little trades where they just trade back one spot like, and, yeah. it, and it doesn't affect them whatsoever. We're like, sure, we'll do that. And they use that and it's like, okay, well, now let's trade up for this guy. Or let's trade a third and a fifth for Trent Williams. And I think – and that's the one thing where it's like I consistently see um, when we talk about quarterbacks, like the 49ers won't be in position to get this guy. And it's like, dude, 49ers will be in position to be able to get whoever they want. Like clearly they'll give up draft picks. They, they don't care to give up picks whether it was trade-up for Reuben Foster, whether it was a trade-up for uh, C.J. Beathard, whether it was a trade-up for um, uh, Brandon Ayu, whether it was a trade-up for Dante Pettis. Like, they don't care. Like, they will trade up for a guy that they like. So you guys can – that's one thing that bothers me. Like, And it's like, how many times do we have to say, like, they can trade up if they want a guy? And they have not been shy of doing so. They, they have not been shy to give up any pick – to get a guy. Shoot, they gave up a fourth round pick for um god damn, what was his name? Dang, what was his name? It was a running back from the Broncos. And he never even played for the 49. I think he oh, played Capri like Bibbs. Capri Bibbs. They gave up a fourth round pick for <laughs> Capri Bibbs. So clearly, like they will give up picks. 
Like they don't, and they'll give up some high picks, like to to go up and get a quarterback who they feel gives them a better chance moving forward, like a more talented guy. Like, okay, oh man, we really like Zach Wilson, but oh man, we have we're to not give up in the, we're not in position. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not in position. Like, no, they just on the phone. Okay, what's it gonna take to get him? Right, and I agree with that. And yeah, remember, remember the first year when they did draft C.J. Beathard, it was John Lynch that went out of his way to get Beathard. Remember that? Like it was like it was John Lynch that was like, "Nah, we're gonna go up and get him." Like, and you think they wouldn't do that for for uh, Zach Wilson, who they really like? I mean, C.J. Beathard. That was just they were trying to just get by until they can get Cousins. You know, let's be real. Like, he wasn't, like, somebody who they were like, oh, this is the future. It was kind of like, oh, you know, I like his skill set. We'll see. You know, we'll see. But we know we're getting cousins. Zach Wilson, he would be the guy. Like, they would trade up for him if that's who they want. Or Trey Lance. Or, shoot, I mean, let let somebody like uh, Field start, you know, falling to pick six or seven or something like that. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they trade up for anybody. Like, that. that's one thing. And, again, if they don't, Oh, well, they don't. But I wouldn't use the whole, like, they don't have a shot at any of these guys. Like, these dudes have a shot at whoever they want, and they have not been shy about trading them for draft picks. I mean, trading up draft trading draft picks for players or whatever. They traded multiple picks for Emmanuel Sanders, like, and just for six games. So you think they wouldn't trade picks to go up and get a quarterback? Come on, man. Yeah, and 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 obviously it does it does take two teams to want to trade, and a team ha- a team and one thing a lot of people don't usually talk about is a team will always be entertaining probably multiple offers like okay we can trade back uh, five spots and get this or we can trade back ten spots and get all of this you know which one's better for us who do we like at this spot who do we like if we trade all the way back here but it's like there's no there's never for the most part there's almost never a time where. The 49ers aren't in a position. Now, if all three of the top team, let's say you're trying to get a top three quarterback, if all three of the first picks are all quarterback needy teams, then the odds of them wanting to trade out is going to be pretty low because they're like, well, we can't turn down the opportunity to get this quarterback, even if it's for a bunch of picks. So there are times when it may be impossible, but for the most part, you know, anybody can say the 49ers aren't in position to draft this guy. And then they slam three first round picks down on the table and says, hey, can we trade up with you? And all of a sudden, the 49ers are in position to get that guy. So, uh, yeah. And, and again, we're talking about two teams that went to the playoffs. We've said it before, but the Kansas City Chiefs, they went to the divisional round. The Houston Texans, they went to the divisional round. They traded up from the mid to late 20 picks all the way up to picks 10 and pick 12. Like, so, like, <laughs> you're, you're always in position if you want to be in position. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're in position if you want to be in position. Like, is there is no such thing as they won't have a chance to get these guys, especially if they're picking like 15 or something like that. We're talking about teams that one team trade up from 25, the other team trade up from 27 to to pick 10 and pick 12. Come on now, right? And yeah, I'm they, not even saying that the 49ers are going to draft a quarterback. I'm saying if they want a guy, they can trade up for him. Right. Yep. I agree. I agree. Uh, Zach Greer at Z Greer twenty four. Should the Niners took should the Niners look for a free safety or strong safety in the draft or free agency? I don't know. I, I mean, I mean, well, Tars going to be gone, and it looks like more is kind of really up and down. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think you definitely have to like put a little bit of resources at that position if you're not going to have Tart, you know. And I, I, if, if it were me, I would go more the draft route because I think you can find somebody in the fourth round. I mean, we look at uh, Chauncey Garner Johnson, who, you know, playing for the the, the Saints, who's making an impact. Actually, also, the um, and he was drafted late, kind of what, fourth round, I think. Um, also, they have Williams, who who has played extremely well throughout his career there for the Saints. And he was a third round pick. So you definitely can get guys that can play well. You know, you just got to kind of throw the resources at it. And the 49ers for the last, what, six years or whatever, they've had Ward and Tart. So they haven't really had to put a lot of resources at the safety position. Right. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah, like you said, it's definitely something they're going to have to look into. Um, Zach Rowan at Zach Rowan. I hope I'm saying you're a ruin. Rowan? It looks like Rowan. I hope I'm saying it right. Should we really expect to see Brandon Ayuk returning more punts, or was that just Kyle being Kyle? Um, no, I think you should expect to see him return more punts, especially with how that one punt return went. You know, and it, it, it's tough. Like, there's there's two schools of thought here where you're like, well, you don't want your starting receiver to get hit, hurt returning punts. But at the same time, like, do you want to put a, a playmaker in position to make plays? Right. You know, do you want to, do you want to give they, them a chance to put points on the board? I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, a lot of teams, what they do is they, they don't make their like wide receiver one, their primary, primary punt returner. But at, at some point in the game, if it's a key moment, they'll throw a guy back there. Like I just saw Terry Hill back to return a punt in, you know, the last chiefs game. So, you know, at some point, like they just won't be the primary guy, but they will throw, that guy back there, you know, here and there. Right. Yeah. And, it, and I mean, think about how many punt punt returns Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson did, you know, like, like he was, he was one of their, their primary receiver and their punt returner. And, and he was pretty electric at that too. So I'm not necessarily against it, but I would say that the only reason, the only way I'm doing that is if this guy is just an electric punt returner, and, you know, he averages 15 to 20 yards per return, and you think there's a real shot that he's going to score, then I can get it. But don't put him back there unless he's just showing you stuff like, no, we have to put him back there. I, I don't know. It's, it's a little risky, but at the same time, I can understand it, like I said, if that person shows you that they are a really, really good punt returner. Um. Uh, A.A. Ron, is there something to the 49ers wearing full pads on Thursday, wearing them downs before the game, wearing them down before the game? Uh, I think he's referring to the fact that um, that practice squad receiver out of Notre Dame, I can't remember his name right now, um, had that comment from Chase. I know you're talking about the receiver from Notre Dame, the little guy. Right. Well, and he, and he was team, former teammates with Chase Claypool who made that comment about how the 49ers still wear pads on Thursdays when the Steelers don't. And, I mean, I, I don't know if there's anything to it. I've I've never been – I don't think I've ever been offered a an explanation as to why the 49ers choose to do that. I don't know that it wears them down before games. Uh, I, don't, eh, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, well, I'll say this about, like, the pads um, – a lot of times it's not even like full pads. It's just like shells. So it'd just be like shoulder pads and helmets. Um, and a lot of that is just because like you still have to practice and kind of bang a little bit. Um, so you want to have some kind of like injury pre- prevention. There are also like the little shock 
shoulder things that you'll wear sometimes at practice. But I will say this. The NFL has a rule. You can only uh, do a certain amount of practice in pads, like, throughout the year. So I doubt that it's, like, just every Thursday they're in pads. Like, maybe for, like, you know, the first, you know, five or six weeks or something, maybe they had a Thursday pad uh, padded practice. But I, I, I bet if you looked at a lot of pictures – with them practicing. Matter of fact, let's go to their Instagram because they be showing, showing. Uh, see if they, I go to the Instagram page and and if they have uh, shoulder pads on, because you know they they post practice all the time. I'm watching what? the I'm watching the video right now. They don't have pads on, um, in practice. Every let's see if I. I'm looking at. Let's see before the Rams. Detective Crocky right here. Right. Really breaking it down. Well, yeah. Well, if you go to the Instagram page, every practice picture you see, there's no pads. So I don't I don't know. You can yeah. only practice so many times in pads throughout the year, so. Right. So I I think the answer there is there's there's probably not much to it. Given the amount of 49ers given the amount of injuries the 49ers have had, I don't think that you can really put that on these one more practices per week that are in shells or, or full pads or whatever. I just, I just think it, it, you know, one, they may not do it as often as it was, as it was made to believe. And is it a huge deal? Probably not. It doesn't necessarily mean that they just are doing full contact or, you know, the 49ers already for the most part, don't take guys to the ground when they hit, they just like thud tempo. Um, but I, I just don't think it's something worth worrying about. I, I think that given the position they're in, the amount of injuries they had, they're probably constantly like evaluating what they're doing as a team. And I, you know, they may not do those padded practices as often as we think. They may not do them at all, or they may not just the way they conduct the practice might not be anything worth worrying about. It just might not be that big of a deal. All right, last question from Used Goat at the Real Used Goat. Who will you and Eric miss most of the potential free agents who may depart? Not obvious. Maybe like Trent Williams because he's a great player at a premium position. For me, it's KB because of his positive vibes, tough catches, and plays in most games. So, I mean, I could fly through this pretty quick. But I will give you give you a list of players that are departing via free agency on the 49ers just so everybody understands what's coming here um i'm gonna i'm gonna organize it by snaps played there we go got it okay so we have trent williams jason verrett carrie Hyder, emmanuel mosley kendrick bourne nick mullins jaquiski tart ross dwelly jared mckinnon ben garland dj jones kyle yuschek deon jordan marcel harris richard sherman Ronis grasu jamar taylor dante johnson trent taylor k1 williams Tabor Pepper, Jordan Reed, Jeff Wilson, Akella Witherspoon, Jordan Willis, Tom Compton, River Craycraft, C.J. Beathard, Solomon Thomas, Devin Coleman, Ezekiel Ansah, Joe Walker, Austin Walker, Ken Webster, Jawan Jennings, Jared Maiden, Kai Nasua, I, I never learned how to say his name, sorry Kai, uh, Daniel Brunskill, Jonathan Cyprian, Tony Bergstrom, and Ronald Blair. So of that list, Crocker, which one do you think that you will miss the most? Let's just say none of them are coming back. I'd probably, I mean, just as the, okay, he really wasn't specific, but I'll say just from missing a good, like, you know, Trent Williams, 
I think that's the guy where I'm like, man. But I'd say as far as like who I've enjoyed really watching be a 49er and just kind of watch him do his thing, Kendrick Bourne. Come on now, man. Well, yeah, and you got your he's he's the man you bet on. Yeah. Kendrick you Bourne, know? man. I mean, I've just like he said, the positive vibes. Um, he looks like he has fun playing football, and, and that's hard for a lot of people, man, because football. Once you get to the NFL, shoot, kind of even college too. Like it just turns into a business and it's like, damn. So like when you see him score a touchdown and, you know, 49ers are down and he's dancing and people are mad. It's like, dude, I love it, man. Like have, have fun with this shit because it, it, it's a business at, at, up there. And some people, they lose that, right? They'll, what would you see from Odell Beckham? I'm not having fun anymore. Remember that? Right. Like when he, when yep. he had said that. You know, there a lot of people lose that joy that they had when they were a kid. And it looks like Kendrick Bourne, whether people like it or not, he's never lost that joy. And, you know, he's he's an extremely consistent player. Um, for some reason, people keep bringing up his drops. And it's like, man, these dudes, few and far in between on his drops, man. Um, but consistent player, really good in his role as a, you know, like a third option as a receiver, maybe fourth option behind a tight end. But, you know, third down move to change guy, really probably still, I don't know, Ike is pretty good. But, you know, up there with, you know, best uh, red zone player on the 49ers. But uh, Kendrick Bourne, man, I've, I've enjoyed watching him um, over his four years with, with the Niners. You know, I'm going to go with, uh, I'll probably mention another player too, but I'll probably go with Richard Sherman. Just because, like, I mean, he's obviously up there as far as impact and what he was able to do. But I just... I'm never going to be able to think about Richard Sherman's time with the 49ers and not think about how much he impressed me just as a person because obviously every 40 anybody associated with the 49ers their impressions of Richard Sherman were all based on the way he played the game, you know, the outburst after the NFC Championship game and you know all of these just really brash his brash persona on the field and you know, a lot of people just never even wanted to look past that because that's just what they thought of him. But, you know, getting to cover him on the 49ers and listen to him talk and listen to him to go to the podium after every single game he played in, win or loss, he always thought it was his job to be at the podium and kind of represent his team. You could tell that he took a really, like, holistic approach to the 49ers roster. He knew the names of everybody underneath him. He knew the names of all the receivers playing opposite him, like all the way down the roster. And he always had praise for them and he would talk them up. And, you know, he just seemed like one of the most, he did seem very genuine and he just seemed like everything you could want from a leader in a locker room. Like he understood his influence. He understood how much sway his voice had and how much people would be looking up to him, whether they play his position or not. And I just felt like he just represented everything you could want from a, like a premium free agent. You know, he, he played well when he was on the field, obviously he struggled for in, with injuries this year, but he played, played well on the field and he just represented everything you could ask for when it comes to, to signing a guy like that. You know, he just immediately took on with the team and adapted himself to that role. And I was just super impressed, like with just the things he said and how intelligent he was and, and you know, how level-headed he was. And it, it's just going to – it'll be somebody that, if he doesn't come back next year, it'll be somebody that I miss hearing from because he's just he's just, he's just entertaining. Another person that I named that I looked at would probably be Kyle Juszczyk. And I do think he comes back. I think the 49ers are going to find a way to keep him. And just given their relationship, I think Kyle Juszczyk will probably be willing to 
kind of work with the 49ers as far as how much he costs them. But he just is – he's a very intelligent guy. I just and, – and he's a very underrated in Kyle Shanahan's offense. You know, just watching him go out there and do the dirty stuff that nobody likes to do that he does better than anybody else. And I do feel like the 49ers kind of underuse him a bit. I feel yeah. like they could get a lot more out of Kyle Juszczyk, and he could be even more of a, of a playmaker than, than they utilize him as. But I mean, a lot of the same reasons as Richard Sherman, just a very level-headed guy, very easy to talk to, very approachable, um, says all the right things that you would like. Because obviously I look at things from a coach's perspective too. I mean, I coach middle school, so how much does that really matter? But it's just kind of how I look at things and, he just seems like a good dude, and and hopefully he's not somebody that takes off because I like his personality, and I feel like the 49ers are, even with what he did over the last few years, I feel like they're leaving a little bit on the table with him. I feel like he could be way have much, much more of an impact than, than even he had. And he still plays a way bigger role than most fullbacks do. Yeah. I just feel like they could go even further with it. Yeah, but, I will say, uh, you know, you touched on Richard Sherman, man, and I, I think uh, more than anything, he's – change the culture and that 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 was really that was something yeah, he really was probably a huge it. reason why that happened so quickly yeah yeah well i think that's a, a terrific question to end on i think we went we went pretty long you guys won't notice this but it, because we we edited it out but we took a, a quick break um right when we started the mailbag and you know just since we've come back from that break it's been 52 minutes so this will be a longer episode but I mean, if there's one long episode a week, I, I always want it to be our mailbag episode because that means we got a lot of questions and we answered all the questions. So definitely not complaining. But I think that's a great question to end on. That is a great question too. I think that's a good, you know, just gets you thinking about the players you've been interacting with over the past two or three years or or whatever. So, um, but hey. Appreciate you guys. Thank you for coming through with the mailbag questions. As always, if you're if you're one of those regulars asking questions, please keep asking questions. We appreciate you. Um, if you haven't asked one and you're listening, then you don't have a Twitter. Make a Twitter. You don't even have to use it. Just use it just to ask your striking gold mailbag questions, and that's all I ask. So, appreciate you guys. Thanks for all the support. Thanks for making the podcast what it is. But hey, we'll be back on here tomorrow, breaking down the 49ers upcoming game against the. Washington football team, but hey, for another evening, for another episode, this is Striking Gold signing out. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, 
Access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.